Hi, and welcome to Superwomen. Today, I'm talking with Jen Gotch, the chief creative officer and founder of Bando. What I love about Jen is she's recently opened up in an incredible way about her struggles, her fears, her mental health, things that a lot of people have thought and felt, but she actually has stood up and said, you know what, I'm going to share this. It was awesome to speak to her, hear how she got started, what inspires her, and things that keep her ticking. So this is Jen Gotch on Superwomen. Thanks for joining me. Of course. Happy to join. Will you tell the people that might not know what Bando is, what Bando is? Uh, so I, I guess I'm going to face my biggest fear right out of the gate, which is trying to explain what Bando is. <laughs> in, in its simplest terms, we're a millennial women's lifestyle company that's all about fun and happiness and just being a bright spot in people's lives. Um, that's the, that's the short, that's the short version. I'm working on a, on a much longer one where we build a little bit more intention into what we're doing and pronounce that based on some opportunities I see to really make people's lives better and help people to feel good as often as possible. I love that. So you started it in 2008. Yeah. You had no business experience similar to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Turns out uh, those of us with no business experience are good at business, which is interesting. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. But you're definitely creative. You're a photographer, right? Yeah, I was a photographer and a stylist and uh, about 25 other jobs that we don't have to go into. But yeah, the through line is creativity for sure. And so what made you go, aha, I'm going to do this? <laughs> well, you know, I I feel like my, my friend Jamie and Jamie Coulter, she and I started Bando together. I I think we had done something where I felt like we had tapped into the creative consciousness. And so the plan was not to create um, a lifestyle brand. The plan was to take these one-of-a-kind floral headbands that we were making and just sell them as a side project. But you know, more than anything, I think it was like identifying that we were onto something and actually activating those thoughts and then using what we were making to connect with people digitally, you know? So, so when I look back, it's like, that's, even though we didn't fully articulate all of that, that's what we were doing. And then somehow we got here. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever have a moment? Cause I had this moment where you like, I just I just started with one handbag. I didn't know it was going to become a thing. And then all of a sudden you wake up and that train has left the station. You're like, oh man, we're a brand and we have to keep this going. Yeah. A lot of responsibility. I definitely, I, in my mind, I I think if you go in knowing that it would be a huge deterrent because it's so overwhelming. So I'm not a very like goal oriented person. I'm not really like a dreamer as far as like, what could things become? I, I just, I'm just generally hopeful. (laughs) So I think that like my idea of what it would be was very limited in relationship to what it became, but there are definitely days now that I long for the simpler times of just the 
you know, hot glue and vintage flowers. <laughs> I love a hot glue. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't come in contact with hot glue at all anymore. Damn. <laughs> I used to do, I used to make money hot gluing beads around pencils to oh make them like gosh. decorative pencils and made clocks for this lady. So my, my time with hot glue is, is lengthy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> So where did the name Bando come from? Because it's B-A-N period D-O for those of you who need to know. Who want to try and figure out what we're talking about (laughs) and need a complex way to do it, which is my solution to every problem. It's like, what if we found a more complicated way to approach this? Um, You know, the French word Bando, which is B-A-N-D-E-A-U-X, that's the French word for headband. And so when we started, that's what we were making. But me being me was like, why don't we change the spelling and turn it into this like word that seems like a language from outer space. There's, there's also a line (laughs) over the O and I, which has a name that I have forgotten. It's an umlaut Um, or an umlaut. Okay. Look at you. (laughs) So I'm just like that line there. I was like, what if we put a dot here and a line there and then just like change the spelling? <laughs> so so that's that's what it is. I mean, thankfully I feel like now it's just like a, a thing, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that was it that was its origins. And you started with online. You didn't have to do yeah. the, the old the old veteran mm-hmm. route. No, I, I didn't, you know, and, and I feel like that it you know, being on sort of the cusp of when people really were realizing that you could just like start a brand or start a business and you just needed like a domain name and like some, I mean, we, we had some very simple coding and just got up and running, you know, it was like, do we do Etsy or do we just do our own site? And we did our own, but it's like, I feel like, and you, I'm sure talk to people a lot like this too. It's like, there's so many of us starting those kinds of businesses and you didn't need you know, the expertise that you would have 10 years earlier to get a loan, to open a store and, you know, have inventory and all that stuff. Like it, you know, it was much different. So. And so how did you transition from being this creative mind to then the entrepreneurial part that has to run a business and deal with numbers and market your website? Some of it was seamless and some of it is still, you know, I don't fully identify as a as a business person, even though the people that I'm in business with tell me I am, I'm like, it's, I don't feel, I don't feel like that, but you know, most of it was getting help where we needed it. And, and Jamie, my partner at the time was, was definitely more linear of a thinker. I mean, she was in the creative as well, but she, she definitely was able to like, look at a spreadsheet and understand budgets and margins in a, in a way that was a little bit more challenging for me. I mean, I will say, and I'm sure you had a similar experience. It's like, I mean, I'm an, I, I, I learned by doing and failing and understanding why something failed and avoiding <laughs> those pitfalls moving forward. So, and I still learn every day, especially because business changes all the time and the world changes. So, so yeah. And then, it, and then, you know, four years in, we sold the company to people that actually knew a lot about business and, and all of the aspects of that. And I learned a tremendous amount from them. And also there's a lot that I don't do, you know, right? it, it, it seems like I do it all because I'm the face of the brand, but that's not accurate. <laughs> there's a lot of people working very hard to make this a reality. 
And so I would love to hear how you go through building something, the blood, sweat, and tears, and then Mm. you sell it, but you're Mm -hmm. still there, Mm -hmm. and people may want to do different things with it. How do you go through that emotional journey? Well, I will say that I got very lucky, and that was the only experience I knew. I felt like I was lucky, but I didn't actually know the extent to which I was that lucky, and so... Yeah, I mean, the first few years were sweat equity, you know, and and just making personal and financial sacrifices and just being really tethered to the idea of, like, this has to work and doing whatever, whatever that takes. And then we didn't sell because we thought we could make millions of dollars, which is usually, you know, people usually go into business if they're planning on selling, like they have a plan on what, you know, what they want to hit financially and then in order to to reap the benefits of that. But this was more out of necessity because Jamie was going to be moving out of state. We wanted to, we had put so much time and effort and we had people working there and just wanted to keep it alive. What we quickly found out was that most people didn't want the company without me attached to it because, I mean, I was driving the the brand and which was great because I didn't want to go anywhere either. And we just happened to sell the people that really didn't have ideas about pivoting like the brand voice, the look and feel, or or even like getting in the way of that. They they really just wanted to bring a support system and kind of make sense of what what we were doing, which which they really did. So, you know, there were painful points in that process just when you actually really do have a meaningful customer base you know, especially from a wholesale standpoint of like the things you have to give up creatively just to make it more digestible. But really, I think just knowing how how different that experience can be, I was lucky. And so the one thing I will say is like, if you get to that point um, and you're going to stay with your business, like being compatible with the people that you're selling to and ultimately giving over some control is so important. I mean, it's a marriage of sorts. And there will be times that you you don't agree. And so I think like having that trust and respect is really important. And I'm really lucky to have that. You are very lucky because I hear yeah. so many nightmares. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. I've actually never heard a story like mine. Right. <laughs> so Good luck, everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's possible. But, um, you know, like even at the end, we were kind of down to two different avenues of what what we could do and who we could sell to. And I was very specific that in my mind, there was only one avenue because I just felt connected to Todd and Kim, the the couple that that owns Bando. And I just felt very like-minded and like energy and all of that. And I think it's important to to make decisions based on that. And And I think like in business, sometimes we're told to not let that come into play, but I think it's really important. So one thing um, you mentioned, which is when you had to do wholesale, sometimes you had to tone down what you were doing and make it more digestible. And I remember the first time that happened to me and it was awful. It was like someone's (laughs) saying, you're not good enough and you're not, your art isn't great enough. And I feel like a lot of people encounter that and then they don't know what to do and they say, no, I've learned to say yes because I want to send my kid to school. Yes. (laughs) How have you sort of navigated that process and then embraced it if you have? Yeah. I mean, I think probably very similar to you. I cried a lot. I felt hurt and I felt a lot of conviction in my ideas, which is like 
I think as a professional creative, you have to have that, but then also identifying when you have to like loosen your, your grip on that is important. And so it was a process, you know, it, it, I think part of it was finding a place to let go and then ushering it out into the world and seeing that it, that it actually was true that, um, on both sides, you know, I, they allowed me to push through some things that they were like, this won't work. People won't understand it. And they didn't. And then, you know, on the flip side, they're like, if you just watered this down a little bit, it would be better. And I tried that and it worked. And that's not to say that like, there aren't some highly creative things that get pushed through and are like completely embraced. But I, I think I just paid attention and let things happen and then learned. And the thing is, is like, if you want that kind of growth, you have to appeal to more people than just a few. And like, you know, we're, we're, you're in New York, I'm in LA, like we're in very insulated, creative places where everyone within arm's reach understands, you know, trends and creativity and art in a way more specific way. And so I just had to like, understand who I was talking to and find other ways to apply that creativity. So I'm, I'm in a much better place of, about it now. I'm much more relaxed. And now I watch some of the girls that are coming up on the creative side, like have to go through that process too. I, I don't think there's a quick fix. I think you have to just try and see, you know, and just always be looking at that. I'll never forget that my, my, probably my lowest point was an unnamed retailer was like, can you just put nerd alert on the outside yes. of the computer case? Yes. And I was like, no. And then someone yes. was like, we will be doing this. And I was like, yes, I just died inside. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, uh, I have so many stories like that too. And, it, and so, yeah, I mean, you know what it is, what it is. A lot of that is ego too, you know? Again, I think just with creatives, with people in general, but like, you know, we're, we're very tethered to like those ideas and instincts being right. And, you know, sometimes other people are right about our ideas. too. Yeah, more often than not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd love for you to tell me any challenges you had in the early years. I think sometimes people see successful businesses and they think it's Disneyland over here. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Any horror stories? Um, you know, the thing about me is I process those and let them go really quickly. So it's always hard for me to remember specifics. You know, I think that just the pain in learning and just putting so much into something and sort of uh, understanding that even sheer like will and effort is not always enough to, to prevent bad things from happening, you know, was, was sort of a recurring theme. Like it was just like, generally there was a lot of pain and there was a lot of joy. And, you know, I think it's like anytime you're doing something that you don't actually know what you're doing, <laughs> is hard. So I can't think of like one specific thing where it was like there, although there probably are where, where it was just like, just felt destroyed. I mean, personally for me at, at one point I lost my house because I gave up my job to work at Bandeau for free <laughs> for many years. I would call that a um, challenge. I would definitely yeah. <laughs> just losing your house, you know, no big it, deal. Yeah. I, there were a lot of like financial and, and emotional challenges. 
And yeah, it's not easy. And I'm, I like, I love that you, that you asked that. I want to put that out there. And that's something that I, that I think is really important too, because I do think it's glamorized a lot. And at any level, you know, at the beginning, in the middle, when you actually get to a point where you're known and you have some success um, and beyond that, like it's never, there's never not those really devastating things that happen, you know? They just change form, but it doesn't go away. Right. And sometimes I tell people, you know, it's easy to have those things happen in the beginning because when you make a big mistake, like later, guess what? It affects a lot more units or a lot more people. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember like at one point someone throwing out a box of, we had these like beautiful crystal headbands from Czechoslovakia, you know, and they were devastating because it was like they threw it out and then they the trash people came like they were gone and and yeah it was like okay well it was like a financial hit it wasn't the end of the world which it never is but for sure I mean the higher you get the further you fall so yeah it everything feels heavier you know more more responsibility not necessarily in a negative way but at some point I became acutely aware that the repercussions for things would be different Yep. One of the things we focus on at Rebecca Minkoff and then the other platform I have, Superwoman, is the idea of vulnerability. And it's okay to be Mm -hmm. vulnerable. You can be vulnerable and strong. But I think having that or allowing that to be part of our work and part of who we are Mm -hmm. allows others to connect with you more. Mm -hmm. So how has that translated for you in your life? Well, I think that... um something that I felt that wasn't a gift actually became a gift, which is like sharing like personal uh, struggles more publicly has never like, has just always been easy for me. And so I feel like there's been a real opportunity for me over the last couple of years to just like talk openly, not just like on a social media platform, but even just in our office or, you know, with people that I encounter and, and like, thankfully, yeah, I have something to show for it now. So people listen more. But I think that be, just taking away the stigma of like things being shrouded in secrecy, like immediately changes that. And and just like how you put your thoughts and feelings out there. I mean, like is essentially vulnerability, you know, like showing your weaknesses. And, and I try and encourage that at work and owning mistakes and not and not blaming that, but just like just flipping, you know, I think so much of it is just like our perspective on things. And it's, I mean, it's e- it should be easy for us to just say like, you don't have to be ashamed of that anymore, you know? And I think everything that you're doing, I think there's a lot of women and men out there, you know, doing that same thing, that it's like something that was associated as negative. We can just reframe that. I love it. I think, I think reframing it is key because so many people have so many associations to those like previously negative or secret just things you don't share. And then you talk about yeah. it, you're like, oh, it's like out of, it's out of the closet in a way. Yeah. And yeah. everybody feels better, by the way, too. Totally. It's like been rare that, that I feel like any, anything that I've encountered in that realm has made people feel worse. Right. <laughs> right. You know, so it's like, this seems counterintuitive not to continue down that path. Except ex- I, the only time I notice that it's worse is someone's like, how are you doing today? I'm like, really shitty. Okay. And they're yeah. like, yeah. Oh, I didn't expect you to answer that. I thought you'd give me the yeah. canned answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they want to, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm like that too. Like it, God forbid someone asks me how I'm doing. Like I'll, I'll I go into like a, a 20 minutes. Do you really want to know? They're like, 
Yeah, I just kind of wanted to know, are you, I'm great, how are you? But I think, like, the, I did learn that there are many people that, once you do that, then feel like they own your well-being. And so I think, I think you do have to be careful with that, you know, and I'm, I haven't, I haven't really shifted my behavior much. I'll still give it to you. But like, I, I understand too, that, you know, not everybody is, is willing to take that on or feels like they have the capacity to, not as open, you know, no. Yeah. Or it's (laughs) hard. I mean, I, I'm that way too. When someone tells me that they're feeling bad, I immediately am starting to figure out how I can fix that. And that's not why they're sharing that sometimes. Right. Like sharing to share. But if that's the worst thing, we're okay. That's true. That is true. Yeah. It could get, it could be worse. Yeah. You talk a lot about self-care. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, I'm not sure I achieve self-care. Mm, but mm-mm. what is self-care to you and what makes, you know, how do you sort of put that and make it important? You know, I definitely had to get to a place where I was not taking care of myself to just the highest degree to really start to identify what it was, you know? So, and I think like your point, I mean, it, as an entrepreneur, I think you put your business first and which really is not the way to do it because it's like you're an integral part and your well being is so important. And I think I had to reframe that and not make it feel like an indulgence. And so, so to me, you know, self-care is just being in, being self-aware and understanding what you need at any given time and also identifying that, like, some of the things that we've been told are self-care are really indulgences or are band-aids for bigger problems. And so, I mean, I've tried to spend a lot of time over the last year really understanding, like, what is it truly that I need? <laughs> to to feel okay and my Reiki healer, which I I hate to say, but it's like there's a, I don't want to describe her as something else. But you know, she was saying something to me the other day about like getting your instrumentation right in order to to truly feel better. And so that's like mental and physical and how you're treating your body and you know just the things that feel more clinical. But I but I actually think that's like the baseline that you want to address before you get into like you know, finding your higher self and dealing with ego. And, you know, it's like, it works better if you're getting sleep and avoiding stress and processing pain and all of that stuff. So I also like a good bubble bath. Don't get me wrong, but. Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) By the end of my last pregnancy, I I would pour an entire quart of Epsom salts (laughs) into my bubble bath just because I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to get bloated and salty. It's going to feel great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you needed. So that's okay too, you know. (laughs) So one thing I like to ask all of my guests is something we'd be surprised to know about you. And I'll share with you first, just to like open the door as a, as a designer, you know, and brand creator, you'll appreciate this. But when we didn't have quality control and we did our first production run overseas, the same, our, our goods our hardware was in the same room as Kate Spade. So I got to have mm. bags that were like Rebecca Minkoff X Kate Spade by accident. Mm. Um, my consumers found out before I did and nicknamed me Quebeca Spankoff. Oh my God. So that was awesome. I remember crying, calling my factory, being like, you ruined me. We will never recover from this. <laughs> Do you have any, and it could be something not production related. It could just be something like Hillary Care was like, I have to shower two to three times a day. Oh my gosh. I, I slept with her most days. So I, I definitely see one of, one of those showers. 
Gosh, you know, there there are so many, 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 many things. I, the thing that comes to mind for me most now is, and something that I'm that I'm really trying to work through is just the nastiest internal dialogue ever known to man. Because I'm smart and I'm influential, and so the person that's operating my inner dialogue is equally as such, and so. There's even as you and I are talking, uh, there's there's someone else telling me what an awful job I'm doing uh, on this podcast right now, and that my dog might be sick in the other room. And nothing and everything is fine. So I think it's like just that as someone who shares so much of themselves, that there's still so much that isn't shared <laughs> that um, that hampers a lot of what I do. And I don't know. I don't know if that qualifies for what you're asking, but I think, you know, um, there's just been this conversation lately about like, who, who actually are you? And just even when you put so much of, of yourself out there that there's still, um, for someone that seems, you know, quite healthy and, and functioning, there's still a lot that goes on that, you know, that is self-destructive and, and self-loathing and a lot of doubt and fear that I kind of operate with every day that I'm trying to eliminate, but it's there. (laughs) I don't talk about it a lot, but it's there. I definitely understand. And I'm just going to say, based on not knowing you so well, that is not you and do not (laughs) listen to it. You are the person that is talking and incredible. So that's just, that's nice. That's just a wild, a wild hair that got up in there that you just have (laughs) to just don't pay attention to. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it has it has asserted itself in a very distinct way, but it's been a um it's been a project of mine for the last six months and I'm definitely making progress um and have read a lot about what that actually is and but like any habit, it t- takes a long time to unwind from that. Totally, so, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so my last question for you would be, do you have anything, you know, why I want to do this podcast was have women kind of walk away with a great piece of advice that they could take on their day or just be inspired. Do you have any last words of advice, something you'd want to share? Oh, gosh, so many. I know, um, I know. <laughs> You know, I I think um, in and amongst all of it, the thing that has helped me so much and something that I carry with me to work, to my personal relationships, to what I'm trying to do with social media and my podcast and the a book I'm trying to write is like whatever you can do to build your self-awareness truly to understand who you are and why you feel how you feel every moment. Um, and and build your emotional intelligence. So like having the feelings and then understanding how you can process those emotions and work through them and use them to your advantage is like the best baseline <laughs> that you can have to take to all aspects of your life. And as someone who was had none of those things starting out, you know, at 20, 24, going into therapy and like trying to make sense of what it was going to be like to be a person in the world, like, you know, five intensive years of like really trying to get a hold of that has like helped me through so much. And probably the reason why I can't remember the awful things that have happened to me because I processed them and left them and why I could get through a divorce, you know, in a, in the appropriate amount of time and, and all of that, like, I think it just continues to serve me. And the, the struggles I see most are people that haven't built that and, they don't have that within themselves and they look for it outside, but 
it's been a life changer for me. So I'd start there. It's a journey. It'll take a long time, but good place to start. I love it. Jen Gotch, thank you, thank you, thank you. Of course. I, I'm so flattered that you asked me to be a part of this, so thank you, too. All I can say is, duh. <laughs> <laughs> no, duh. <laughs> duh. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was Jen Gotch, Chief Creative Officer of Bando. You can find her on Instagram at Jen Gotch, that's G-O-T-C-H, and at Shop Bando. Also, check out her podcast, Jen Gotch is Okay, sometimes. Thanks for listening to Superwomen. Please rate and review us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tune in next week.